My name is Patrick Nugent. On June 23, 2019, I started walking with Jesus. Come hear my story and the story of so many others whose lives have been changed by their walks with Him. Come walk with us. Hey, walkers. Stop. Wait. Walkers? That makes me think of a TV show about zombies. I'm still working on this part, the clever way to say hi and thank you so much for listening part. I suppose for now I'll stick with hi and thank you for listening. I pray you're all feeling blessed today. We're so glad you're walking with us. If you haven't listened to episode four, A Divine Rescue with Jeff Fernandez, you may want to stop here and go back. You don't have to, but it does help to hear the backstory. On today's episode, Jeff and I will discuss how his life in student ministries has been trying to lead by example in his teaching, and how a life in ministry means that people watch how you live. They want to see you as a single. They want to see you as a husband. They want to see you as a father. They want to see how you handle anger. They want to see how you handle uh, sadness or depression. They want to see how you handle when life hits back. One of the things that keeps many people away from church is the perception of Christians. And I use air quotes around this because there's a lot to be said about the different perceptions of Christians. But Jeff and I get the chance to talk a little about struggling with hypocrisy as an onlooker. There's not a chance it's this Jesus because I know his followers. And if his followers are any indication of him, forget that. We're so glad you're here. Try to insert catchy tagline. Thanks for walking with us. In the book of Exodus, Moses talks about that, that the iniquities will be visited on the children to the third and maybe even the fourth generation. And, and I, I've learned now that that's sort of a saying in, in old ancient Hebrew yeah. that meant for a really long time. Like yeah. when they say that, they mean it's going to keep going and going and going yep. until someone stops it or until something stops it. That's how those generational curses get passed down is that. We see that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the child of an alcoholic. I am yeah. an alcoholic and I'm the child of an alcoholic. Yep. Yep. And I come from a long line of, of yep. alcoholism and all yep. of that on both sides. Yep. And so those things get passed down. They do until yep. Jesus comes in and goes, all right, not anymore. Enough. We're done. Yeah. The chain yep. is broken now. Yep. Not anymore. And yep. so my kids, I want to make sure that they know it's not that I don't want you to ever drink. It's that I want you to understand that alcohol might do something to you that it doesn't do to your friends right. because of who you are and right. where you come from. Right. And the same is true for you with, with maybe anger and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, I, I come from a long line of alcoholics as well. Yeah. Um, my father would take a gallon of vodka every two days. So oh my. this day is Thursday that we're recording. So he would buy a gallon today. And then he'd have to buy another gallon on Saturday morning. Goodness. And my mom was a gallon of scotch. Oh. Same thing. So. And they, those aren't they, fool around liquors no, either. No, they're, they're not the knock around. Yeah. This is, this is. Goodness. Real. So yeah, it would, it, they would both buy on Thursday and then they'd buy on Saturday and then they'd buy on Monday and then they'd buy on Wednesday. And it was wow. the money. Yeah. That they uh, spent on alcohol. The money alone. If we're Astronom- just going to talk about cash. Astronomical. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, where my father came from, uh, he came from a home that wasn't violent, but he came from a home that he didn't feel loved in. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, had a, he had a playlist going in his mind that his mom 
didn't love him and that his dad didn't love him. And his father, my grandfather, um, very kind and generous man, but uh, not a very emotionally there man. Um, did not show love, didn't know how to do that. Um, tried in his own ways, but was not very successful at that. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother, I, I had always been raised that my grandmother uh, didn't like my dad because he was a boy and he didn't, and she didn't like me because I was a boy. Hmm. So I never really knew my grandmother, never, never paid. She, I'm Cuban, Patrick. I, I don't know if you knew that. Um, I knew that, but those who are listening, those who are listening, <laughs> this is brand new for them. Yeah. Um, it's great new information, new info. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So my father was born in Cuba and got out after uh, Fidel Castro came into power and lots of change in his life. Moving to the States, doesn't know English, just a lot of change in his world. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my grandmother didn't speak any English, so I didn't care to know her much. Um, and I didn't speak any Spanish. And I, I never really did know her until, uh, not even until, I, I found out about her later after she died. Mm. So my grandmother had had a series of uh, strokes and heart attacks all in succession, all within just a couple of short weeks of each other. Oh, wow. And she was left a vegetable. Oh. And this was in my teen years. I was 15, 16 years old, somewhere in there. And so my aunt took care of her the rest of her life. Um, she was a vegetable, but she was still she was still alive. Mm-hmm. So she when my wife and I got married, part of our honeymoon was gonna be to um, take off on a cruise that was leaving out of Miami. My aunt lived in Miami. I went to see her. Didn't really know my aunt either, but I asked some questions about my grandmother. and I found out a much different story than what I'd been mm-hmm. told. And I found out, that my grandmother had prayed for me every day of her life. Wow. She didn't know all the things that had gone on. She didn't know all the hell that I was living in, but she knew something was wrong. Hmm. And so she prayed for me every day of her life. And my aunt told me that when, when my aunt found out that I had become a Christian and that I was now working with students and showing them the love of Jesus. She said, Jeff, I, I ran into your grandmother's room in my house and grandma's a vegetable. And the doctors all said like, she's, she's not cognitive. There's nothing there. Her body just won't, it's just not dying. Yeah. But there's, there's no brain functionality. She's, she's gone. She said, Jeff, I always knew that was wrong. She said, "I, I ran into your grandmother's room and I said, mommy, mommy. I leaned in and whispered in here, mommy, mommy. Jeff is now a Christian and he's sharing Jesus with other people and with students and they're coming to know the Lord. Mm. And she said, my grandmother wept in this vegetative state, Mm. tears streaming down my grandmother's face. So I came from this generational curse that really I would say was more on my father than on anyone else. Sure. My mother, there was more generational curse there. There was more issue struggle there. She came from 
heavy alcoholics as well. She, she would tell you she remembered at five years old, uh, her father, she grew up in New York City for a bit, and her father took her to the bars when oh, she wow. was five and would buy her alcohol drinks. Not not the Shirley Temple style, but and she knew all the people at the bar and they loved it. it was, wow. Let's get this five-year-old drunk. So she she grew with a taste for it quick. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So to to break that, that God would break all of that off, uh, is is humbling, and mm. I I cannot earn it. I just have to receive. I get to receive this. Yeah. I get to take hold of this and just say thank you. I get to take hold of this and then try try to live my life mm-hmm. in a way that honors him while fully knowing that I will fail him daily and that I will need this mercy and grace daily. Yeah. Daily, some days, multiple times a day, some oh, days, yes. multiple times an hour. Oh, yes. Some days, multiple times a minute. Yes. We need that grace. I do have to ask, the the grace that you receive on a daily basis, yeah. multiple times a day. Freedom. What does yeah. that feel like? You know? Oh, it's, it's freedom. It can be difficult because I, I want to earn it. I, I'm human. I want to earn it. God, I don't want to let you down again. I don't want to sin against you again. I don't want to do these things again. And frankly, when I do that over and over again, then there are, there are seasons or times when that, that will play tricks on me to mm. make me feel more distant from him because I, I'm, man, I'm screwing this up so much that, oh, and I, I start to back away from the Lord. Uh, because I, I just don't, I don't want to have to go back to the well right? to get more. Yeah. Romans seven, Paul talks about, yep. you know, I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do and yep. I just, my, but my stupid body won't, right. won't do it. Right. You know, I know what I'm supposed to do, but my weak yep. human body is so susceptible to sin. Yep. And so I, you know, all I have is, and then eight, one starts, you know, but God, but God, but there's no condemnation for this. Yep. Because we're all that way. And it's, I remember when I found out that I wasn't alone. Obviously, I knew I wasn't the only alcoholic on planet Earth. I knew that I wasn't the only one who struggled with lust and pornography and all that stuff. But I remember when I found out, like, truly wasn't alone. That, like, there were people who said, hey, you know, I've been there, but I've also left it behind now. Right. And here's how I did that. The next thing I want to ask about is, as you found your faith and and you knew you were going to work with young people. You mentioned Gail and a few other, other people. How did you go about finding a mentor? If that's the word we want to use, um, how did you go about finding someone, a Sherpa, someone yeah, who would yeah. take your hand and walk with you as you walked with Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. It, it truly was, you know, like I mentioned before, it was, it was seeking out people that had fruit, mm-hmm. seeking out people. I, I, I grew up in Holland, Michigan. Nothing against Holland. I love that town. At that time, when I grew up there, I, I will say it was steeped in religion. Sure. Uh, it was a town that was very, uh, yeah, it was just very religious, n- not very faithful. Mm. Um, the The presentation of somebody was important. The The optics of who you were that meant everything. It wasn't about your faith. Mm. Um, and I'll say that was my perception. So was everybody in Holland like that? Not a chance. Of course not. But generally speaking. You mentioned before you became a believer, you 
struggled with that, that sort of yeah. hypocrisy because oh, yeah. it came in, in your home. Yeah. I'm sure that you had seen it from other people as yeah. well, that, that it just, it's similar to, to sim, some of the struggles that I had with quote unquote believers, because yeah. I saw some of that religiosity in it, but didn't see the actual love and the, and the, the fruit that it provides. So, yeah. so I like the, the, the word fruit. I like saying, you know, I was looking for people that, that their faith was bearing fruit and yeah. it was, it was visible. It was visible. How'd you find them? So <laughs> how did I find them? Yeah. I, I'm going to say a couple of things. One, yeah. God brought them, like smacked me in the face, like put them right in front of me. Like I, I would have had to have diverted quickly and, and, you know, hard right, you know, to, to yeah. get around them. Um, <laughs> but the other piece was I, I knew what I was looking for because I knew where I'd been. Yeah. I knew the other side. I knew what it looked like to be steeped in religion. Mm. I knew what it looked like. The, those images, those pictures were vivid. I mean, people painted them very well mm -hmm. about what it is to be steeped in religion. So knowing that, and then knowing the freedom that I had just been given by God, uh, I... I didn't know exactly what the fruit was going to look like, but I knew it was going to be drastically different than what I'd seen. Yeah. And so then finding these, these people like, you know, like Gail and Doug and Bill and Dave, oh my word, Dave, um, these people who, you know, loved on me. And these were all, these were all older people than me. They, they were, you know, 10 years older than me, maybe even a little more at times. Um, uh, so, but then I also, God brought friends that I had mm -hmm. that were my age, uh, that were believers that, that did walk Landon and, you know, a few others that Ryan and Johnny and people that walked with me and that we could talk about the Lord. But, but I would say I heavily leaned on people who were just a little older than me or even a lot older than me to say, to, to watch them, yeah, to see how they did it, to see how they to see how they handled life. So, uh, Patrick, uh, when I take on a new leader in either my high school or in my middle school program, I, uh, I talk about this a lot and, and how, um, when you're doing it right, when you're, when you're ministering correctly in middle school and high school as a leader, I, I don't want chaperones. I, I don't, we don't work that. In fact, we don't call it a youth group. I work in student ministries. We mm -hmm. teach and train our students to be ministers of the good news of Jesus Christ, like right where they are. Sometimes that works out really beautifully. And other times it's just really hard. <laughs> uh, but when it works beautifully, I, I have leaders that I, I tell this to all the time, like your world, your students that are working with you, they want to see your world. Mm -hmm. So invite them over. So many times people, are, people will say to me like, oh, I'm not cut out for working with students. I don't know how to do that. Do you eat dinner, Patrick? Have a student over for dinner. And people kind of freak out about that a little bit. Like, what do you mean? And students just want to see how you do life. Yeah. They want to see you as a single. They want to see you as a husband. They want to see you as a father. They want to see how you handle anger. They want to see how you handle uh, sadness or depression. They want to see how you handle when life hits back. They want to see how you handle that. They want to see how you handle joy and victory. They, they want to see how you handle life. Teach me, show me. So, so that fruit that I speak of, um, when, when that fruit is, 
is when your faith is real, there's fruit there. Mm -hmm. And it's not fruit, again, it's not fruit from you. It's not as if you can manufacture the fruit. You can't be smiley enough and kind enough and generous enough and all those enoughs. You can't do that. You just, you literally cannot physically, emotionally, spiritually do that. You can't manufacture it on your own. Right. It, the fruit comes from an overflowing of the generous grace and mercy that mm -hmm. God has had on us. So any fruit that comes out of me, any good that comes out of me is all because of Jesus. It's all because of the mercy that he's given to me. And then that turns into fruit that I share with other people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What was the biggest myth you thought about Jesus when you say, I didn't really know who this Jesus was? Yeah. What was the biggest myth that you thought about Jesus before you became a believer? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, there's different seasons that, sure. that, that that answer would change. Of so, you know, as a, as a young man, um, middle school aged and declaring myself an atheist, the biggest myth I believed was that he wasn't real. Sure. This Jesus, he's not real. Yeah. And not only is he not real, no God is real. There is no God regularly felt that, said that, stated that with all conviction. And I, and I got to this point early high school. I got to this point where I was like, okay, there's got to be some God. But I'm going to tell you straight, it is not this Jesus. That was what I said. Yeah. There's not a chance it's this Jesus because I know his followers. And if his followers are any indication of him, Forget that. Hmm. So then coming to him, then realizing the depth of life that I had missed, this changed everything. That early season was there is no God. Mm -hmm. But that next season of like, okay, there is a God, but it can't be this Jesus. And then as I'm starting to kick the tires on this Jesus then I'm starting to realize this might be real, but there's no way he could love me. Mm. With the things that I've done, the ways I've treated him, the ways I've treated other people, the things I've said, the things I've thought, the things that live in my heart, there's, there's no way he could love me. Mm. Which gets back to worth. Yeah. Which in essence means the biggest myth that I had was that uh, my worth had to be, my performance had to be good enough in order for God to love me. Mm. And that's one that, I mean, I don't know that I've met a single student in my career that hasn't wrestled with their performance on some level. Yeah. Which is my next question, and that is in 2022 America, which is where we are right now in this yeah. moment of recording. Yeah. What do you think the biggest myth about Jesus is in general? Honestly, I would push to that same. Yeah. Piece. That he that that you've you've outsinned the love of of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that people believe that it is possible 
to outsin the love of of our Father, of our yeah. Heavenly Father. Yeah, and I don't know a single person that would say that out loud in that way, but I know lots of people that would say like, "I'm, I don't think I'm lovable." Mm. I know lots of people that would say, "If if I perform, then God can love me," which makes His love not con- unconditional. Then, yep, and that's a lie. Yeah. Good answer. What would you say to someone who's wrestling with whether or not this is it's time to start a walk? Like they're in the same spot you were as as Jesus was wearing you down through Gale. When you're like, I know there's something. I don't know what it is, but I know that there's more on this flying space rock than than randomness. <laughs> if there were someone sitting in that chair, yeah, what would you say to them? Keep going. <laughs> The wrestle is beautiful. Yes. And let's be real. When you're in the wrestle, it's there's lots of different words for it, right? It's infuriating. <laughs> it's it's ugly. It's it feels ugly. ugly when we're in that wrestle. There's so much unknown. There's so much I I, I can't figure out. Mm-hmm. And as people, boy oh boy, we need to know our answers, right? right? Yeah. Notice I didn't say we need to know the truth. I just said we need to know answers. Just an answer. Just an answer. Any answer will do. <laughs> an answer that I'm comfy with. Yeah. Preferably one that meets all my biases. Makes, yeah. Makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like that one. Yeah. But. Uh, keep going. Keep going. I love it. I I love it. Uh, what's a piece of advice you'd give to a new believer? Someone who has accepted it and they're, so step one is done. Square one is line one of the Sermon on the Mount, and that is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for you will inherit the kingdom of earth or a kingdom of heaven. So now that's step one. That's square one. That's where we all have to start. Okay. I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. I need help. I need, I need to be, I need to hold hands or walk with Jesus. That's step one. We're through that step. I've accepted and received What's step two? What, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give for someone who's just starting their walk? Can I answer that with my favorite verse? Please do. Colossians chapter two, verses six through 10. So then, Patrick, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and strengthened in the faith. Uh, in fact, yes, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it, Patrick, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness he is the head over every power and authority. So that passage, Patrick, has been, that's, that is, uh, I've built my life on this. R- remembering the place that I was, and I don't mean physically, geographically, the place that I was when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Remembering the place of need. Mm-hmm that I was in spiritual poverty when I accepted Jesus as my savior. Um, and and I think verse six, it just says, so then Patrick, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in and like that. 
And, and so when I do that, when I remember that I'm, I need to be rooted in this, when I remember that I, I was spiritually completely dead, I had nothing and I needed forgiveness. Again, I needed forgiveness, not by my own works or by my own strength or by my own might, but I just, I needed the forgiveness that I could not earn. Hmm. Spoiler, I still can't earn. So I continue to live my life in that, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as I was being taught to be, right? And then overflowing with thankfulness. And then verses, verse eight is just so beautiful to me to, to, to not let anyone take me captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, to, to not let anybody take me captive through ideologies and, and ideas that don't have a root in Jesus. Why would I let that happen? Well, God says, he says it very clearly here. So clearly I'm going to let that happen unless I work against <laughs> it. So, so there's this pattern here. So as, as you say, like, what advice would you give to somebody who's new, who's like new in their faith and man, just trying to, trying to get on fire? It's stay where you are. Now that doesn't mean like, don't grow in your faith. It's actually the opposite. Sure. When you remember the gospel and your need for it, and I don't mean remembering Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes, remember those gospels, those stories. But when you remember the good news of what Jesus Christ is doing in you, of how he rescued you at one point, and then how he's rescuing you today, when you remember that, when you live in that, now you're cooking. Yeah. Now, now your faith is growing. Now your trust in him, your belief in him, your faith in him. Now it's got a chance to grow. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, man. And thank you for sharing your favorite verse as part of that answer. Well, you know, Patrick, um, many times in my life, uh, in, in walking with students and sharing my story and uh, telling them where I come from, I've had so many times where a student has said, uh, they've made some comment to me like, oh, man, Jeff, I wish I had your story. Oh. I wish I had your story of faith because your conversion. I was raised in this, so it's not as real to me. They'll mm. say things li like that or, sure. or some, yep. you know, some variation of that. Yeah. And what I always want to say, and I do say this actually, is, is no, 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 buddy, you don't want my story. Like, I, I always say, I was rescued out of hell, right? The place that I was in. And I, I think I can say pretty freely, the place that you were in absolutely was hell and you and i were rescued out of that but so many of my friends who don't have this kind of story this you know dramatic conversion story and you never fought your father you never threw a punch at anybody you just you know you were, you prayed to receive jesus at four years old my son <laughs> prayed to receive jesus at four years old i was rescued out of hell he was rescued from hell. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's, like, that's perfect. Yeah. That yeah. language is amazing. Yep. Would you seal us up in prayer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to do that. Yeah. Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for my brother, Patrick, and that you walked with him, that you got into the pit with him. 
that you didn't just point fingers and say, look at what, look at how bad that guy is, or look at where he's at. You actually got into the pit with him. You picked him up and you carried him out of the pit and you have just walked with him so beautifully and graciously and full of forgiveness for him. And Lord, I'm, I'm just so grateful. For that. I'm grateful for the, the mighty man that you are continuing to create and shape and mold. I'm grateful for that. Father, I'm so grateful for this day. This, this is a day that has been so beautiful, full of sunshine and your glory. And, and Lord, we know you did not make this day for us. You actually created it to bring you glory. You created the day to point us to you. And you woke us up. You, you gave us breath in our lungs point us to you, to, to draw us close to you. And Father, we're really grateful for all of that. Mm. And in this moment, we're recognizing, Father, that even as we've talked about your good news and how you've changed us and shaped us, we also recognize that we are people and that we have sin. So I'm asking you, Father, to forgive Patrick, forgive me, and wash us clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then, Father, we're also asking you, please, to help us receive that, yes. to trust in you for it, whether we feel different or not, to just receive your great gift of forgiveness. And now, Father, I'm asking, please, that any of these words that we've said, that we've spoken here, um, that you would use them in whatever way you choose hmm. uh, to, to fill people with your spirit, not us, that, that my words would not be the words that um, moved somebody. Instead, they would recognize that it was you, Lord, moving their hearts, because that's your work, not mine. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to share with the world about what you've done in us and how you have given us the gospel. You have made good news in us. We love you, and we pray all this to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for walking with Jeff and I as we walk with Jesus. I hope this conversation has helped enhance your walk. Please like, rate, review, and share our podcast. Follow us on socials where we are Walking with Jesus podcast and visit our Patreon page using the link in the show notes. I pray you all have an amazing 2023. Blessings, everyone.